You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Questions podcast. Tim Fitzgerald and Zach Carlson today. As Ryan Gils Gilbert is heading home for the Thanksgiving holiday and he's going to hang out with the fam, got some plans, so he was not available for this taping. We shall forge forward once again. He did ask a, he did ask a question, though. He added so a he question? Will make, he will make an appearance in the form of asking a question. Wow. But he's probably going to get reamed. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Get ready, guys. Wow. Uh, we are sponsored by The Fridge. Make sure you stop into The Fridge for all of your holiday shopping because nothing says I love you more than booze. Or the actual words I love you probably say it more. But you, you know the point here. I'm trying to do an advertisement for The Fridge, people. Get off my back. Go to The Fridge. You can shop there for cool stuff for your adults. Don't, don't get the kids any presents from The Fridge. That's just bad parenting. Uh, well, our segments are sponsored by Tanner's in the Hilo. They're in Aggieville. If you come to Manhattan for anything in the future, make sure you go in there. Say hi. Folks, uh, it is the Black Friday sale right now at GoPowerCat.com. As you listen to this, we flipped the switch a day or two early. I guess it'd be two days early. It is live as of Wednesday, and it'll run through December 1st. Don't mess around, though. Don't mess around. 75% off. That is, hold on, let me get the calculator out. That's uh, three quarters. That's three quarters off your normal annual subscription rate. This is for new subscribers. Okay, folks? If you're not a subscriber to GoPowerCat, 75% off. Ah, oh, it's amazing, Zach. We don't make any money. It's great. We don't. We're just ba- <laughs> we're basically letting people sign up, and and uh, my dogs go hungry. I, I I don't know. Sad to think about. I know they're they're nice dogs, and they're often on this podcast. Hopefully, they're not today. Zach, I'm getting uh, a little antsy. I can't get the studio finished. We've run into problems, and we've got we've got to move stuff. And I had time today, but it's raining and. Oh, my goodness. I want this done. It's so close. Need to mount a TV. Got to get Rocky the Wildcat up on a wall. A um, couple other things to be done. So close, Zach. I'm going to have this yeah. incredible work environment. Now, here's the problem, Zach. Okay. let's. We're gonna, I hope the, the wife doesn't hear this. Okay. The wife is trying to put stuff into my studio office. Like she, she got supplanted. Some some of her things got moved, and now she wants to put stuff into my man space. Zach, what am I going to do? Sorry to hear that. I don't know what to do. I don't have a wife that you know. Of. Don't have that. I, that I that sure that I that I know of. That's what we want to say. <laughs> oh, 
Let's read some questions, shouldn't we? Yeah, I think so. 75% off. I'm not messing around here, folks. I don't want to hear from you. When are you having a sale? It's Black Friday early. Come to go park. And Cyber Friday. Monday early. And Cyber Monday early. It's all those things. That All that rolled into magic. Here's your questions from Wabash Station. Zach. From Eshin Tex. Any sense? Uh, is there any sense on the mood of the team? Uh, is it the same as the bye week? Are they pissed off and ready to work? And do we expect a defeated team to take the field in Waco or one ready to wreck shop, as he would like to call it? I like that. I don't know. I mean, I would like to have some great insight here, but we only interact with three players pregame on Zoom. So you can't pull them aside. You don't get to really read body language. You know, you don't get any of that. Uh, you know, kids are resilient. Uh, they'll bounce back. They, they, There's not any real problems in the locker room. I mean, if there were, those guys are kind of leaving or um, everyone knows they're planning to leave or whatever. I mean, the team seems fairly cohesive. They just need to pull it together and play a really focused game. I got knocked upside the head by a good team, and um, it just kind of snowballed. I'm not overly concerned that what happened at Iowa State is a sign of catastrophe looming on the horizon. We overreact to four straight wins, and we overreact to three straight losses. This team is always going to be, was always going to be, probably hovering around 500. And I think they'll split these last two games and. Go five and four in the Big 12 is what I thought they would do in the conference play. I didn't think they'd lose Arkansas State, but I think things are fine. Um, They just don't have much offensive talent. And people keep bellyaching about the play calling. And, well, I agree sometimes the plays aren't what I'd like to call. Uh, Play calling is really good when the plays work, and it's really awful when the plays don't work. Folks, they don't have many weapons. They don't have many tools to use on the offensive side of the ball. And it's hard to be a brilliant play caller when you don't have things that work in your playbook. It's really that simple right now. They're just a little bit undermanned on offense. Um, well, not a little. They're quite a bit undermanned on offense. To be blunt, they, they've got to get a receiving core and a quarterback on the same page, and that's not working. And Deuce Vaughn's being keyed on, and Bradley Moore got banged up, and now he's going to be 100%. I agree they need to find some stuff that works, but it's easier said than done. But it'll be okay. I think Baylor being, you know, one and five, they've only won one game this year. You know, I think they're better than that. But, I mean, I'm hopeful that, you know, this team is better than Baylor, even with all the problems they have. But one thing that sticks out to me, you know, after the game and today during press conferences especially – is them talking about the accountability issues that the team is having, which is just kind of worrying. You know, it, even if even if they are having accountability issues, you know, whatever they are, the fact that they're so open and honest about it, they're like, yeah, we're just not being very accountable right now. Whew, it, it's kind of worry, worrying just to hear, you know, that level of honesty, I guess. And, you know, it, it worries me seeing, you know, what could happen these next two games because man after you know losing 45 to nothing getting shut out at Iowa State it just it makes me feel like 
you know, they very well could just throw in the towel at this point and lose the last two. I'm hopeful that's not the case, but man, after the Iowa State game, it just kind of seemed like like the season just should be over almost. That's kind of how I felt after the game. But I, I'm i hopeful that they're pissed off and they're ready to work. But, man, it, it's going to take a lot for me to change my mind in the next you know three or four days to feel comfortable saying that, hey, they're going to absolutely beat Baylor on Saturday. I agree. I mean, we'll find out. I, I think we'll know early in that Baylor game if they're engaged. And if they're not, Baylor will beat them. I mean, that and, and they'll uh, they'll take it to the Cats because there's some real talent on this Baylor team. They just haven't had much time to put it together with a new coach and no spring practice. It's almost been really yeah. it's really unfair to any staff with a new coach to have to go through this. From Ohio Power Cat. Does a win at Baylor change everything? If we lose, how bad will it get against Texas? I've always said this. Every week is self-contained. We're going to find out maybe this week if that holds true. Um, You know, I think a win would help the team quite a bit, and I think it really does put Texas into play more. But I still contend Texas coming north on a cold day, if it is cold on December 5th, I'm not sure how engaged they'll be, and they'll need K-State to kind of lay down. So if you're afraid a Baylor loss and four straight losses uh, would be the consequence of that, would make this team lay down for Texas, then it's concerning. But at that point, I'm concerned not about five straight losses to end the season. I'm concerned about the team laying down, um, no matter how many losses it was. So. Uh, let's see what happens. Let's let's just let this one go and and see what happens on Saturday night in Waco, and uh, go from there. Because I think this team still has some potential to win some games, but they're just not very good right now. They're just not. And as they put more stuff on film, people are figuring out how to limit what little does work for the Cats. At this point in the season, I think has it been exactly a month? today that we're recording this since k-state last won a football game that was against kansas it's been it's been an eternity since k-state's gotten a win so i feel like k-state's kind of bleeding at this point and a win against baylor stops the bleeding and if they lose you know you're going to keep bleeding out and i don't know if they're going to want to stop the bleeding against texas you know, or if they're going to be able to stop the bleeding against Texas. You know, we mentioned cold weather all the time for that last game. You know, maybe Texas comes up and they're unmotivated and K-State's able to win it, you know, even after a loss against Baylor. But, yeah, I I think a win against Baylor does change everything because it finally, you know, it kind of, you know, it re-energizes the team a little bit and gives you a stepping stone to hopefully go out and beat Texas and look, you're able to go, you know, six and three in the conference if you're if you take care of it. So I, I think I, I I know Fitz. You said that you think they'll split these last two games. I think they will not split. I think it will either be two and zero oh or zero oh and two. I think if if K State beats Baylor, I think that's enough confidence to take care of it against Texas. And if they lose, I I really don't feel confident that they, that they beat the Longhorns. Well, one of us will be right, and the other will be wrong. Tune in in two weeks or next week. Nah, nope, maybe not. Nope, you can't. Nope, I, I just failed at math. <laughs> that was that was bad. All right. Uh, from Limestone Silo, 
what are your views on the number of players you take from the transfer portal? Do you view the portal as a good source to pick up experienced talent or as a list of malcontents and players who aren't willing to fight through adversity at their previous school? Well, I think they've done a pretty good job with the portal. Yeah. I mean, if you look at uh, the running backs, you know, from last year, both were great kids. Bradley Moore is awesome. You know, DeAndre Thomas seems like a good kid and what little we've had exposure to him. So I think they've done a nice job picking kids that fit into their program. And that, too, will be an emphasis this time around. I'm guessing two, maybe three at the most, if they have room. You know, that's another thing they're – even though they've had some attrition, they're they're not wanting to extend a ton of scholarships this year because in a year they're going to have scholarship issues, um, which might emphasize why they'll probably take seniors through the portal uh, more than young players. Typically, unless someone's really good, they know who they are. You know, they maybe they recruited them at North Dakota State or K State and. They lost out on them, and they liked them a lot and were really upset they lost them. Maybe they would take a young kid. But for the most part, I think they want to give out the scholarship and get that scholarship back. And uh, I, I'm confident they will look to the portal for a receiver if they can find a good fit and maybe a linebacker at this point or defensive tackle, depending on who comes back. We'll see. Um, it's It's a good thing to have. Uh, but I also agree with Chris Kleiman and what Joe Klanderman has said. If you haven't listened to the Sources podcast and heard that quote, they really want to be a de developmental program. And they want to limit their transfers, whether it's from junior college or Division One institutions. They'd rather go get a bunch of high school kids and develop them. Uh, I like that. I agree with that. But you need to leave that door open to supplement what you need. And they need an experienced receiver next year. Uh, particularly if Malik Knowles does depart. I don't know if he will, uh, but as of a week ago, he sure was leaning towards it. We will see how it plays out. Even with Malik, the, you know, once you look at his performance this year, you probably do want to go find an experienced receiver to supplement the group. They just got to have more playmakers at that spot and guys that can get off the line because these guys are struggling at times to do that. Yeah, like you said, Fitz, they need to go out and probably find a wide receiver, you know, some sort of skill position player to supplement. And, you know, going to the portal is a good way to get somebody that's experienced. And, and if we want to grade out Kleiman and, and his staff and their ability to go into the portal and pull good players out, you got to give them an A-plus, right? I mean, maybe not counter Thomas, but look, James Gilbert, Jordan Brown, Bradley Moore. The, the transfer portal is not a bad place to go, at least – Climate has showed that, you know, there's definitely a lot of kids in there that K-State probably shouldn't take. Um, probably some kids that would come to K-State if they gave them a look. But, you know, I think that the, the transfer portal kind of creates a, a decent market and you can go in there and find exactly what you want. And, and sometimes what you want is, you know, you know, you're, you're going to line there, you know, like with Bradley Moore, James Gilbert, you know, two guys that they can come in you know, be leaders, you know, I think that's, that's probably the, the most critical thing is, you know, going into the transfer portal is finding leaders, you know, guys that, that your team can accept right off the bat, you know, it, it, a, a, a five-star at one time skill player that enters the portal, you know, if they want to come to K-State, I don't think that Kleiman's going to take him if he's not going to be a leader. 
So I think that's kind of the type of player you got to go after and the type of player that has value when searching for the tra- through the transfer portal. Good points. From claws out, balls out, kind of building on that, are there any options currently in the portal that make an instant impact next year at wide receiver? Well, I posted a name uh, in the thread uh, for people on Wabash to see. I won't put it out here because it's kind of close to the vest. Um, the, the problem is, is if it's a recognizable name, K-State's probably not getting that player. You know what I mean? Uh, for example, there was a receiver from Washington State. I don't know anything about him. I didn't do any research on him, but he's probably looking for that spread offense, and he might end up at Mississippi State with his old coach who went there. So um, there are a lot of players in the portal, and one of the problems with the portal is there are so many players in there. I mean, they're looking at 15, 1,600 players that probably will end up there. And if there is really a surge when the NCAA says you get a free transfer year, you could be looking at 2,000 or so players that go into the portal. And and how many FBS programs are there? Well, there's not that many. Uh, it's, it's crazy how many kids are going to be in the portal and how many of them are going to find out, I have no place to go. I can't even go to the FBS because they're full. Uh, this is going to be a mess And some kids are really going to jeopardize their future education because they're going to go into the portal thinking, well, I can get it. Someone's going to be interested in me. And nobody's going to be interested because they're running out of scholarships because of COVID, because the classes are going to be piling up with nobody expiring uh, any eligibility this season. It's going to be a mess. Uh, But there are a lot of receivers in the portal. You could spend all day, you know, just Google 24-7 sports transfer portal football and you'll find it and you can go survey how many gobs and gobs of players are already in there and the season's not even over it's incredible it's absolutely amazing and sadly uh, a lot of guys won't find new homes it just will Uh, there will be receivers out there but do you want them why are they in the portal one and do they fit what you want to do two and do they help your locker room three and you know, I'm not able to answer any of those questions, but we have linked a name that we have heard about on Wabash Station for anyone to go see. And it's a very interesting name that would fit kind of what we've seen them do so far with the portal. Now, Fitz, this isn't a player that's in the portal, and this isn't a player that you've linked to Wabash, but we've talked, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but definitely someone's brought it up on Wabash at the time. But boy, I'd love to see Jonathan Adams from Arkansas State enter the portal. And come to K State. Oh man! You know he's a senior. He was incredible playmaker, and that's a guy that you know he might be better than K State if he wanted to go somewhere else and play. Well, I think he's going to be real. Go to the league. I mean, I think he's going to. That's based on what he's done this year. He's he's going to the league. That's very true. But maybe pull a Briley Moore out and send him. You know, go play some Power Five for a year before you try try the NFL, but. Yeah, there's there's going to they'll find somebody, I'm certain, from the portal or, you know, elsewhere. They're going to have to. Somebody's going to have to step up next year at wide receiver. It's just, you know, in the middle of the season, you know, isn't really a good time to land transfer portal guys, I guess. You know, the season's still happening. You know, wait until end of December, early January. 
you know, then stuff will kind of start to develop there. From Exhausted Nihilist, how long before an athlete breaks up with their boyfriend slash girlfriend by announcing they're entering the relationship transfer portal and from claws out, balls out, when leaving a job, should we stop saying I'm putting in my two weeks notice and replace it with I'm entering the transfer portal? It sounds so much more cool to be in a portal than a quitter. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I joked with Chris Hummer on the Sources podcast when we talked about the portal. I actually think the NCAA made a mistake by giving it a cool name. It sounds cool <laughs> to go into the transfer yeah. portal. You know, and and uh, it sounds like it is a way to get to somewhere more enchanting and uh, productive, and everything will be better on the other side of the portal instead of, hey, uh, I'm available because I quit on my team. You know, I mean, that's essentially what everyone in the portal quit or maybe was run off, but the relationship was fractured. Something was broken, but the portal, man, that sounds awesome. I kind of want a portal. I'd like a portal now that I'm going to have a downstairs studio so I don't have to climb stairs. Just step into the portal, boom, there I am. I'd like a portal that takes me to Tanner's in the high-low. Think I could get that? Maybe. I don't know. Becky would like me to go into the relationship portal, and she would like to go into the relationship portal, I'm sure. Nobody would blame her. It sounds cool, but... I think we know that if I went into the relationship portal, I would end up uh, without a landing spot. Nobody else would want this. <laughs> so kind of building on the last question to make this more of a serious thing, I guess, you know, the, I think that a lot of p players, you know, that are currently in programs, I think they're going to see this year. And this kind of goes with the transfer portal being so new and so young there's going to be a lot of guys, like you mentioned, they aren't going to find teams. So I think that, you know, this year of having the transfer portal, especially, you know, if in January, the, you know, your, your free pass, you know, your one-time free transfer, you know, with no, you know, you retain all your eligibility and you don't have to sit out if that goes through, you know, I think that, I think a lot of players, you know, in their current spots, I think, you know, but they might, there might be a lot of players that may transfer or may have thought about transferring that just decide, you know what, it's not worth the risk to do it. Let's just, you know, stay here because I know, you know, my friend that transferred to wherever, tried transferring wherever, he wasn't able to find a team. You know, I want to play football, you know, so it'll it'll be interesting to see the impact of so many guys going into the transfer portal right now and then seeing how many don't land anywhere that probably could have landed somewhere, you know, just there weren't enough spots, especially with, you know, the, the extra seniors being around. So, you know, hopefully, you know, there's some, some thought, I guess, that players put into account there on, Hey, you know, maybe there isn't going to be a spot for me, you know, elsewhere. There are 130 FBS programs and 127 FCS programs. So we're talking, you know, 260-ish, um, 257 to be exact, programs. If everyone takes three players out of the portal, there's 750. And they're talking about double that number of players into the portal. Double uh, or more. 
Now, yeah. some of the younger kids will go to a junior college like Chris Heron did. When he went into the portal from Kansas State, he went to Blinn. That will happen too. But then they got to cycle through and come out the other side with a team from that level. So think about it. On top of all the portal kids, there's junior college kids looking for homes. And more and more programs are beginning to think about just sticking with high school kids and developing them. Uh, it's, it's a mess. It is really, really a bad situation for a lot of kids who are just jumping at the chance to leave and don't know where they're going to land. And they may not. They might just keep falling right out of college football. Last question of the first half from Limestone Silo. With Chris Kleiman and Courtney Messingham's long relationship, what would need to occur for Chris Kleiman to make a change at offensive coordinator? Or is loyalty to his assistants another way Kleiman resembles Snyder? Well, it's not just loyalty, it's belief. I mean, he had such success at North Dakota State with Courtney. Um, I don't think he's going to tie that in his head to the fact that they were just so much better than everyone else. He knows that things work uh, when they have the right amount of talent and they get in system. I mean, because of this year and how short they are with tools right now in offense and losing a senior quarterback, folks, nothing's going to happen. I would, I would probably say that even if they weren't close friends. Um, I don't think at the end of the day, Chris Kleiman will value friendship over football success, uh, but it's going to take more than this. It's going to take a team that actually has bona fide weapons scattered at receiver, tight end, running back, quarterback, maybe a fullback. They have the guys that fit what they want to do, and then they can do all those things. And then if the offense struggles, maybe we can talk about things. But people that think that he's going to make a change right now, it's not going to happen. And you're just screaming into the wind right now because it's not going to take place. Does that mean there won't be discussions about what they did on offense? There won't be, you know, internal scouting? Of course there will be. Of course there will be. And they will look at all these things in the offseason and try to figure out how to be better a better offensive football team. But step one, get on the recruiting trail and go find more Deuce Vons and, you know, more effective weapons that can come in and help you. And that's the other side of being a developmental program. You're you're talking about if you need to get immediate help, you're you're talking about finding a Deuce Vaughn that can come in and play as a true freshman. And those kids are rare that can be that kind of star and that kind of weapon that defenses have to scheme already to stop Deuce Vaughn. It's incredible. But the problem isn't that they can scheme to stop Deuce Vaughn. It's that K-State has nothing else to answer with. And they will try to solve that long before they ever think about a coaching change at coordinator. That doesn't mean there won't be some changes, maybe. Maybe guys will depart. I don't know. But it's not going to come just because – They've struggled in this COVID year with an injured quarterback to move the ball on a consistent basis. Not going to happen. For an analogy, if I'm a bakery owner and I tell my baker to bake me a cake, but I don't give him any flour, am I going to fire him for not baking me a cake because he didn't have the tools to get it done? No, that's on me. I mean, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that any of the problems here on climbing, you know, that's where the analogy ends. You know, it's just, 
the pieces aren't there this year. You know, I, I saw a comment, I don't know if it was on Wabash or Reddit, but someone said, let's treat this season for what it is. This is a glorified season of exhibition games. Don't get so twisted up in, you know, what, you know, losses mean, you know, or what injuries mean. Like, it's just, it's still a crazy year. Um, Courtney Messingham could go scoreless the next two games probably and still not get fired. And I don't think it would be because of Kleiman and Messingham's relationship. I agree. I think that, I think that if you want to call it a scapegoat or not, COVID is a legitimate excuse for the 2020 season, whether you like it or not. So, you know, I, I don't think they will score points going on going forward, but you know, you have one season that's full, you know, they got to do whatever, but it was their first year, their second year, you know, has a wrench thrown in the middle of it, you know, give them next year, which is basically going to be like year two. And then probably another year after that, which will be year three. So, and I don't even know if that's proper calling it like that, just because this season threw such a wrench into things that you might even set it back further than, you know, a year. So I think it just, it takes some time. It takes some patience. Yes. It's frustrating seeing the team move so smoothly down the field on that opening possession at Iowa state and then just park it. Like you're going to the airport to go fly somewhere else and just leaving your car there. Like, yeah, you can't do that. You need to get some points. You know, if that means sending Blake Lynch out there to get three, you know, maybe, maybe you do that. But man, just relax a little bit, I guess. Yeah. I think just, just don't, don't get so stressed out on what you're seeing. Enjoy it. Football's fun. We're lucky to have it essentially at this point, Amen. you know? That's uh, that's how I see it. You know, I, I'm frustrated with the offense. Don't get me wrong, but take it for what it is. Take it for the pieces that are gone and what they're working with. You know, so being able to win, go on that four game winning streak without Skyler and keep on losing pieces in this COVID year is impressive. And don't let the last three games overshadow that. Hey, they've actually done pretty okay for the rest of the year exactly that's it for the first half of the Powercat questions podcast sponsored by the fridge wholesale liquor make sure you are subscribing to go Powercat. 75 percent off starting wednesday today the day this drops on on uh, all your podcasting platforms all the way through december 1st subscribe to gopowercat.com it is our unbeatable Cyber Black Purple Sale. We'll be back. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. No gills. Nope. No, he's spending time with the family. What kind of jacked up kid did we hire at GoPowerCat.com that comes around to Thanksgiving time and he wants to go home and hang out with the family and do family things? Wow. The gall of this kid. Anyhow. Which is is funny because it's a legitimate complaint during COVID. (laughs) (laughs) He did what? Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, your two-man team today as we take your questions from Wabash Station. And I will say it once again. We are having our holiday sale. It's Black Friday, uh, Wacky Wednesday, Cyber Monday, Purple Day. There's nothing that really goes with purple. That's kind of a shame. But anyhow, it's 75% off right now. 75% off. 75. That's a lot. That's three quarters. If you were going to spend $100, you'll only spend 25 stinking bucks to subscribe to subscribe to GoParacat.com. It's such a good deal. I'm speechless. We're sponsored by the fridge and the high-low and tanners. You know, Zach, uh, confinement, um, I'm not, let's just be honest here. I'm not built to do time. Okay. Uh, I couldn't be in a cell for 23 hours a day. So I'm I'm not going to be murdering this holiday season, which is good news for everyone. Uh but this confinement of mostly being at home. I go I go out once in a while. Um I went to I go to my physical therapy for my injured back a couple times a week and then uh once in a while I'll run to a Walgreens or a drive-through with a mask on. I you know, I went Went and sat on the uh, the patio, the outdoor, you know, the new street deck, weird things, uh, at the Manhattan Brewing Company with for my wife's birthday the other day. She's twenty nine. Um, and Good for her. Uh, Happy know. birthday! I know she's. Uh, I don't know what she's thinking. I mean, we've been married thirty years, and she's twenty nine. So I guess I just recruit really early. Um, I just don't go anywhere. So I'm getting kind of like stir crazy, a little blue. I'm, you know, most of my social circles are bar owners, bar managers, uh, people that work in bars. Honestly, I'm not going to know anyone who works in the bars when I get on the other side of this because Aggieville turns over so fast. But I'm I'm just, Zach, I'm kind of lonely. The dogs are great, but they don't, they don't actually talk to me. I have to talk to them and then pretend by making a voice that they're talking back to me. That's where I'm at in this. I'm, I'm having both sides of a conversation with dogs. Anyhow, 75% off. <laughs> Way to end it. Way to end the, end the read. Thank you. Uh, so uh, I hope everyone's being safe and smart this holiday season um, because I don't want to be preachy, but there are people like me who have to be very, very careful uh, because of underlying conditions. And if I trip across you in public and – 
a little bit of spittle flies and hits me in the eye, look, you're going to feel guilty because I'm going to make you feel guilty. That's it. That's it. That's all I got to say. Here's more questions of Wabash Station. Zach Carlson is back at the helm. It seems like old times. From Jay Bullen, PSU, with basketball season starting this week, what's your best case and worst case scenarios for the season with the assumption that all games will be played? Oh, can we I, say most game? Can we say most games yeah. will be played? I don't think all games are going to be played. Let's and let's just call it conference games. You know, I don't think that. Oh, I I'm with you. I, I think we're going to get yeah. into this, and everyone's going to say, uh, "Never mind with these non-conference games. We're going to shut it down and give everyone a couple weeks to try to get healthy, and then we'll start up with conference." I think that's really what's going to happen at some point. So let's focus on the conference. There. Are 18 games scheduled in conference play? And let's add in the SEC and Big East challenges. So 20 games. Those are the 20 games I'm going to look at. Uh, and just a reminder, folks, in case this snuck up on you, uh, if it's Wednesday when you're listening to this, K-State plays on ESPNU at 1 p.m. against Drake. Basketball's here. And by all accounts, this this Little Apple Classic's going to take place. I think all four teams are, are healthy enough and ready to go. Uh, so – Basketball is here, and then K-State will play Colorado Friday at 7.30. I think if you look at those 20 games, 18 conference, Big East, SEC challenges, I will feel good about this if K-State wins five. That's how low my expectations are for this season. And it's not just because K-State is is loaded with newcomers. Um, it, it's because the Big 12 is loaded this is an incredible conference again this year, and it's really a, a bad time to uh, be trying to rebuild. Now, what will make me feel good about even five wins? How competitive are they? Do they go out there and show signs that this can be a really good team that just doesn't have enough development yet? They're too young. They're too green. They haven't had enough practice time because of COVID. They haven't been able to handle, you know, Bruce Weber admitted it. We haven't seen presses in practice. We haven't done this in practice. We're just trying to stay healthy enough where we can scrimmage. I'll feel good uh, about things that really aren't wins and losses. Now, if they go and win a bunch of games, I'll feel good about that. But if they pile up losses, I'm going to measure this team by other things. And I wouldn't want to see performances like what the football program put out there on Saturday. I mean, that would be discouraging to see a team that really gets dominated on a repetitive amount of games. Um, I'm bullish on the future of the program with these young players. If he can keep this group together and this group uh, turns into a really positive, reinforcing, uh, uplifting locker room environment amongst the players, I think there's a really good side to this group. It's just going to be a painful process to go through this year. And then how much rope do you give him for next year? I mean, at what point do we say, okay, now it really counts. You've had your reset. And folks, I'm I'm pretty honest about this. I'm tired of resets. I don't think you should be resetting this dramatically twice in the span of your, you know, eight years or whatever it's been of the program. But that's what we're dealing with. It is a, it's an enormous reset. Things got away from the program last year. They ran off a bunch of guys. They only have one returning upperclassman. And then the three freshmen are back, and everyone else is new. So I'm trying to be optimistic and realistic tied together. 
I want to see what they look like more than how much they win or lose. I'd say that best case conference play nine and nine, and you make the tournament, maybe you make the bubble tournament or whatever it's going to be. I don't think, I don't know if that's realistic, but I think that's as far as, as far as if if they're going to run off some games, I mean, they're going to lose some big 12 games. They're going to lose a lot of big 12 games. It's going to be probably similar to last year, but I think that nine is probably the ceiling. But the worst case, four games. I don't know, two games. Oh, brother! I can see. I feel like I, I feel like going between four and four and seven wins in Big Twelve plays probably realistic. Yeah, you know That's what I'd call the window. Zach, the problem I don't know. is the real problem here is the simple fact that um, we don't know who's going to be playing. Right, and that's what I keep pointing out that. The biggest thing a team can do this season to enhance their ability to be competitive is to stay healthy, not a sprained ankle or a walking boot. We accept these things at Kansas State that that happens. Stay away from COVID. Stay away from quarantines. Stay away from as many people as you can during basketball season. Don't make bad choices. Hanging out with uh, other student-athletes that maybe are out of season and – less attentive to their exposure risk Uh, from StatCat with basketball rosters being small. One positive COVID diagnosis could lead to multiple players in quarantine and a very depleted roster. With that in mind, is there a limit to the number of walk-ons that they can have on the team so they can continue to have enough for a useful practice? And can you guys, can you have guys who are only practice players who don't, suit up for games and he may not not count against the limit to help in this area. And he believes that the team, the women's team has done this in the past by having male practice players, which we've talked about on the podcast fits where, yeah, they'll bring in a, a guy's team of practice players, I guess. Yeah. So I think you, anyone can go practice with the team. I mean, if uh, let's say Thomas Gibson comes back and, you know, he can go practice with the team. Uh, so I, I do think they probably need to look at finding more players for practice and maybe for games. If you didn't know that the Big 12 threshold for declaring a uh, no contest and having to reschedule a game is only six scholarship players. If you have six healthy scholarship players, you are expected to play. Six. Even if they're all forwards. Players. What a mess. Could be fun, though. Could be interesting. Could it be like rec league, city league basketball, where you have one team that's, you know, all guards and another team with three centers and two forwards and a walk on guard bringing the ball up. It just could be fascinating. I think even in those rules, you know, you have to just have four. You don't even have to field a full team to be allowed to play. Just got to play, play on the power play for, for the whole game. Uh, yeah, it's. I think they're going to need to go and find some other athletes somewhere else, whether on campus or you know from the football team. You know, and it'll be interesting to see if anybody tries across the across the nation. You know, to see what they do when they have depleted rosters, or you know, if if they try bringing people over. I know, I think there was a player from Nebraska last year that played a decent amount that that switched over from bas- or football to basketball. 
I want to say at the end of their, the, the big 10 tournament, they had like four or five basketball players at the, at the, at the tournament. There was a ton of guys that they just suited up because they were, they weren't healthy and they needed bodies. So it'll be interesting to see that if once football season is over and if COVID is still just kicking people's butts, you know, come January, February, just, you know, expanding the player pool, to where you have, you know, 10 extra guys that are just athletes that can, you know, hoop it up a little bit. So, you know, I think that's, that might be the biggest hope there is that, you know, Bruce Weber can go find a Rashad Washington on the football team and, and bring him over. But, you know, we'll have to see. Very good. From Ryan Gilbert. Yeah. He joins the podcast here via question. Uh, what's who? Who's this? This? this is our uh, it's our normal question reader, Ryan Gilbert. That that Ryan him. Gilbert. That Ryan Gilbert. That, the one we pay. Yes. Do you think he's uh, going to write this down as hours of work that he asked a question on the podcast? Well, like it took him make, an hour to craft this beautiful question. Do you make him individualize his? You know, do you make him notarize? You know what what he did. Individual, no. you know, itemized. I'm, I'm too. No, okay. okay. Just a, just a total. Uh, who he asks? Who is the best K State basketball player from the last twenty years, and why does one deserve so much bashing for saying Barry Brown? Oh my God! This is the worst take. He, he, he has. <laughs> I love. Oh, Ryan this is the worst. This is not the worst take he's ever had. That Come Barry Brown bad. is better than Michael Beasley, Jacob Poland, Rodney Magruder, and anyone else you want to come up with. Yeah, it's a bad take. It's horrible. It's it's horrible. Um, it's Barry, like saying Alex Barnes is the best K-State running back in the last 20 years. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. Uh, I mean, take a guy that's not that's not in the league, that's not playing at the highest level, of professional sports because one of those guys is better. You know, Michael Beasley might not be as good as Darren Sproles was, but he's still, you know, the, the top NBA guy. And guess what? Rodney McGruder and Wesley Awandu are probably making a decent argument saying, Hey, we might have some at the end of the, at the end of our careers. And you compare us to Michael Beasley, we might have better careers. So, and even if you just want to exclude the NBA, exclude the NFL, you know, whatever comparison you want to make, if you want to just make it strictly on college and what they did at Kansas State, Michael Beasley is the most talented basketball player to play at K-State in the last 20 years. And Jacob Poland was the best player to play for K-State. He's the all-time I think, I think, scorer. I think Riley. I think Riley. I'll give credit to Riley. I think Riley said that, or whoever said it on the pod, or in in one of the threads somewhere. You know, I give you credit for saying that because it's true. Jacob Poland is the school leader in basically everything. Sure, Barry Brown is in those top tens, and some of them I think he's you know number two. Jacob Poland's still number one. You know, Barry's jersey isn't going up into the rafters before those two guys. No. You know? No. Cartier Martin played in the NBA. Barry Brown doesn't play in the NBA. Dean Wade plays in the NBA. Barry Brown doesn't play in the NBA. So, yes, Barry Brown is a good player. 
you know, oh, he's a great player, but amazing, amazing guy. But to call him the best basketball player in the last 20 years is false. Okay. My opinion, it is false. Now to defend Gills, I kind of feel like Gills could tweet that this guy is blue and Riley would say, that's really more cyan. But it is more cyan. (laughs) True. True. Okay. But I, but yeah, you know, I've got the, the one by one. One foot by one foot prints that were in our podcast studio. They're now going to be in the studio downstairs at our house. And I have, I think, six players from that stretch. Uh, Barry Brown is one of them. Beasley and uh, Pullen are there, of course. Cartier Martin, Roddy Magruder, and Jeremiah Massey, who is very underappreciated. Dean Wade isn't up there and maybe could be. Um, and there's other players that maybe could be up there and, and aren't currently up there. Jay Heydrich, clearly one of the finest 100 walk-ons in the last 20 years. That was a, that was a shot at a friend. But, yeah, it was a bad take, Gills. Roll with it. It's okay. It's okay. You can, have, you can still have worse takes. Hey, partner, I predicted K-State would beat Iowa State. That is... Hey, take. That, that was a bad take. Uh, from I Like Pickles Cat, moving to golf, does Robert Streb winning have any positive effects on K-State? And I would say currently, not really. It's cool for K-Staters. It's cool to watch him and yeah. cheer for him on Sundays. It's cool for to see him in contention, seeing him on the leaderboard, seeing him move up in the official world golf rankings. That's cool for K-State people. But for the golf world, not really. For you know, golf fans, doesn't really mean anything for K State. It's cool he wears purple on Sundays or lavender, you know, whatever he was wearing on sun on on Sundays. But you know, that's at least right now that is the extent. But with this win, he gets to play in the Masters next year. You know, he's going to move up in the official world golf rankings. He got some. I'm assuming he got some FedEx points out of this. I didn't look at the the points distribution, so. You know, the last couple of years, you know, at least talking about Robert Streb, he's kind of struggled on tour and struggled to maintain his tour card here and being able to play in, you know, decent events. Um, So this kind of gives him a boost for the next couple of years, especially, you know, with the money, you know, being on that money list. You know, he's probably solidified himself for the future. But, you know, if he gets to play the Masters next year and he can be in contention for that. And, you know, if he has an outside, a very, very outside chance of winning it, if he goes out and wins it, I think that's the point where it starts to become, you know, a positive for K-State because, you know, Jim Nance going to be talking about, you know, he went to K-State, you know, most of these golfers at least one or once or twice during their rounds, you know, where they went to school gets mentioned. So, you know, you'll at least get a little bit there, but, you know, until, until he's winning a major, you know, or winning, you know, a top tournament that isn't a major, but, you know, one that's, you know, bigger than the RSM Classic in November, you know, not that the field wasn't terrible, you know, it was, it was a decent field, but it wasn't like the top golfers in the world were there, you know, or at least the main ones. So, you know, it's cool for us, but not necessarily a, a positive for K-State outside of our own little world. I have nothing to add to that brilliant answer. 
Thank you. Well, we got one more golf question from Riley Gates. Who? How bad would Robert Streb kick your at sign, dollar sign, dollar sign on the golf course? And Riley had to edit his post because I think it started out. He, he didn't realize that um, that word would get bleeped. Hmm. But how badly would he kick your rear end, Fitz? Oh, it, you know, I, I enjoyed covering golf, and I was at the Salon Journal. That, I covered a lot of golf. Um, and there was a very good golfer that came out of Salina named Brian Norton. And he made it on the tour but never really did anything. You know, he was on the tour and uh, got his card for a while. But he came back and played in something. And the way that ball came off the tee box is was so unlike anything else I had ever seen, even with the very, very good golfers I had covered at the state level. It was unbelievable, the things he could do. And he wasn't good enough to compete on a consistent basis on the tour, mostly because of his short game. But it was unbelievable. They're so good. And they can do things with a golf ball that just defy explanation to me. Like, who was it that skipped the ball across the water in the practice round? For a whole uh, was, that, was that John Rahm? Yeah. I think it was John Rahm. I mean, I could do that completely by accident, and it would never go in the hole. He did it on purpose, and it went in the hole. Okay. Uh, okay. The hole-in-one the hole was an accident, it, but the, the skipping over the water was on purpose. Well, he I was know. successful at that. Yeah. But he was. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying any hole-in-one's an accident. I mean, you're trying to get it sure. close to the pin, and it actually goes in the hole. But, yeah, I mean, they just can do things with fades and cuts. And it's like, what? Are, what I, I tried to hit the ball. That's why I don't play golf anymore. For me, it depends on what course we're playing, Riley. What course are we playing? Are we playing Colbert? I'm, I'm terrible at Colbert. You know, you'd have to give him a lot of strokes for me to – compete with him um i feel like you could give me one and a half strokes per hole and it'd probably be close i don't know i don't think I'd, i'm terrible wrong and if i played a lot if i played a lot the, the problem is robert streb is a pro so we could go play an easy course and i could play very well for me but robert streb's still gonna kick my butt you know, he's going to shoot in the 50s if we play a course that I can, you know, shoot four or five over on, you know, like it's it, it, it'll be a, a rough day. But I feel like saying that one stroke per hole would be too little. And I think two strokes per hole would be too much. So I'd, I'd probably say uh, you'd have to give me plus one and a half per hole. And I think that that would probably be the appropriate adjustment. On if I could beat him or not yeah. to make it competitive. That's 27 strokes, dude. That's a lot of strokes. It is a lot of strokes. Yeah. But if he shoots, let's say he shoots an even par 72 and he give me 27 strokes, that's a 99. I just have to break a hundred to beat or, you know, to compete with Robert Streb at, at even par. I don't think it's. I don't think that's terribly unreasonable. Zach, I got an important question for you. Uh, maybe I'm giving myself too much credit. Whatever happened to miniature golf? Why isn't this like a big thing anymore? I feel like we need a quality miniature golf course in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, 
I, I don't know. I, I feel like miniature golf is only cool in tourist locations. Yeah. If you want to spend the money on a pirate ship. I, I disagree. I disagree. I think you should. I think you should go to Branson and play some mini golf and see how old that gets. I loved it. I, there was a putt, putt and Salina. I loved putt, putt, loved it. Oh, well. I don't like it because it's just too skillful or like there's, or I'm too skillful of a golfer and it's, there's not enough skill. You don't have to be skillful to be good. It's mostly luck. And that's what frustrates me. It's mostly luck. You just have to hit the ball hard enough and hit the right angle. And it's mostly luck. It's a combination of golf and billiards. There you go. A little pretty fair. Green felt. All right, moving on. Yeah. From limestone sti- from limestone silo. Do you have any idea on how the athletic department is doing financially and has getting to play as many games as, as we have allowed us to play? Um, has it kept our head above water? And how much of the basketball season must be played to not take a dramatic financial hit? Um, I'm, I'm not equipped to fully answer this, but I did just speak with someone in the department that is very thankful they've gotten in this much football. So this has been important. It's going to really hurt. the If there is more cancellations going forward for those conferences like the Pac-12 that haven't played much, it's going to really hurt them a lot. So this has been significant for the Big 12 that they got an early jump on it. They were the first Power 5 to get going. They're going to get in most of their games if they, you know, stay on course here. Um, and it's huge. It's huge. They're not going to get all of their TV money, but they will get most of it. Attendance really does hurt. I mean, not having fans, not having concessions, not having parking, mm-hmm. not having the donations. That hurts. It hurts. There's no doubt about it. But... um they are finding a way to persist and get through it, and they're in much better shape than a lot of other institutions that may be overextended even when they have full football revenue. There's too many institutions that are operating um, financially underwater, and K-State's been very good about that since John Curry took over, and now Gene Taylor's continued it. They're very fiscally responsible, and I'm, I'm happy about that, um, but it's good. I don't know on basketball. I mean, I just don't. Um, basketball isn't as big a revenue producer, but the limited crowds will hurt and the limited games will hurt because there will be cancellations. It's it's just going to be a mess. There not only will be cancellations, there will be games. I'm betting K-State plays two games that 72 hours before tip-off weren't scheduled. You know? They'll say, hey, we lost an opponent. Hey, we lost an opponent. Just like Cal and UCLA did in football, which was incredible. I love it. Go play. Just get what you can out of the season and move on. I think from from a financial standpoint, you brought it up and I was going to mention it. John Curry deserves a lot of credit for the position that K-State is in right now during this pandemic. You know, he came in, cleans up the budget. K-State's able to, you know, have a surplus you know, at times and actually turn a profit and then, you know, credit to Gene Taylor for continuing it and maintaining a a good balanced budget. You know, I think K-State living within their means the last, you know, 10, 12 years or so has, has really benefited them and has allowed them to be somewhat successful 
right now. And I know at least within the department, I think there's, you know, some furlough days that quite a bit of the staff is going to have to take over the next, you know, however many months, which, you know, those aren't going to account for a ton of money, but, you know, it'll save some, but the fact that they've gotten in most of football season, they should get most of their foot, you know, if they played 10 games out of a normal 12 game season, you know, you'd probably expect, you know, 83% of the revenue for TV there. So that's pretty good. You need to have a, an NCAA tournament because that's where most of the money comes from at the end of the year. So, um, you know, I think that's going to be more critical than, you know, playing any sort of season. And I don't, I'm not exactly certain how the NCAA divides the revenue, you know, between if it's between schools, conferences, you know, whatever, but yeah, it hurts losing ticket, ticket money hurts losing a lot of stuff, but you know, the fact that they can get most of their share there from just, you know, playing games with TV revenue is, is huge for them. Um, but I think it, it'll take a breakdown of, of the budget because the budget, you know, it lays out everything, you know, you can find items on there that you're going to lose, you know, ticket, ticket revenue, parking revenue. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when you look at it, those percentages aren't as big as you'd think they would be. You know, that's how critical TV revenue is. You know, that share of TV revenues, um, I don't want to, don't want to be wrong here, but it's, it's probably close to like 40% of the, the budget. If I, if I'm remembering correctly. So I think just, you know, trying to maximize your, your, you know, the revenue sources that you have and your biggest ones, such as TV revenue is, is huge here. So, you know, just the fact that they, they have, you know, they play with the minimum number of sports. I know that we'd love to see them play more, but it really does put them into a good financial position, you know, right now. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say other than, you know, they, they've, they've set themselves up pretty well over the last few years to be in a position where they aren't completely bleeding right now. But if this continues in the next year, you know, maybe we start to see some problems, but I think that the, I'm guessing that we'll, we'll see majority of fans come back for 2021. Exactly. All right. Last question of the podcast from Dr. J 54. It's a fun one. He says maybe an overtime sort of question, but the United States has gotten fed up with the two parties, and they have decided that Fitz will be president. Oh boy! But he now needs he now needs to fill in some positions from among the GPC staff, VIP members, and the K State athletic community. Who should he take as vice president, secretary of defense, secretary of state, head of the CIA? Who should be put on the Supreme Supreme Court and ambassador ambassador to Russia? This is too much. I need to research on this. This is too much. Uh, my vice president would probably be um, uh, mm, trying to think. Uh, it would clearly be Southball because I, I made fun of him earlier in the show, but he's level-headed and a fine advisor for me. Uh, Wagcat would have to be something. Um, I. I don't know. Um, K Ned would clearly be something. I like Pickles Cat would probably uh, be in charge of something. Just basically. So you want to put you want to put Southpaw, an attorney, as your 
vice president instead of putting him on the Supreme Court. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, you don't want to make any you don't want to make any puns here that it's a basketball court. You don't want to pick yeah. like Barry Brown to put on your Supreme no. Court. I would probably like, put Gills would put Gills would put him on the Supreme Court. Gills would overthrow me to put him in the presidency. Gills would take me down. Um, <laughs> I, I I suck at this. Uh, Zach, I'd put you on the Supreme Court. I think you uh, are very balanced in your opinions. Thank you. Uh, Wally, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> uh, Wally would clearly be... Um, CIA. Yeah, yeah. He's good at getting intel. Yeah, he'd, he'd be good with CIA. Uh, I'd have Riley uh, uh, be in charge of something uh, totally that you don't even know exists. Like, you know, like the Small Business Administration? Exactly, exactly. Chief of Staff? Mm-hmm. Surgeon General. Boy, Surgeon General would be a fun one to have. Um, Who would be your Secretary of Defense? Uh, let me see. Secretary of Defense. It's got to be President Meyer, right? That seems logical, but I'm trying to Call get away Meyer. from it's the Myers. I'm trying to get away from the establishment, man. Uh, I'd probably do something really radical. Like, um, put, just, like, have it rotating. Or should Wyatt Hubert be the Secretary of Defense? Yeah, if you, if you spelled it like D-A, defense, I'm into it. <laughs> I, I, I don't have any brilliance here. I'm all out of brilliance. Yeah. This is a, a fine question. There's nothing wrong with the question. It's my answer that sucks. But I don't think any of us really want me to be president. I mean, we are. I'm pretty tired of the two-party system, but President Fitz, man. I just want to come to the White House, man. Oh, yeah. Let me in your house. I'm sleeping in the Lincoln bedroom. I, I got to tell you, uh, say what you want about Trump, but that fast food buffet, I'm in. I'm on that. I want to slam some Big Macs in the White House. I'm all over it. I don't know. I think that was a good move. People made fun of him. I'm I'm in. I don't like it. I can I can you imagine? Uh, I know exactly what I'd have Gills do. He'd be my pizza delivery guy. <laughs> oh, food tester. Would he be your official food oh, tester? Oh, that's not a bad idea at all, because I know you people out there. Some of you showed up on the website just this week to, to try to poison the boards. You would kill me if you could. I know you. That's it for this podcast. We're done. It got long. We hope you're driving and you listen to this. Make sure you're subscribing. 75% off right now at GoPowerCat. Go do it. Go get it done. If you're not a subscriber, this is for new subscribers. Go get it done. 75% off. Limited time only. Starts Wednesday. Leading up to Thanksgiving. Have a great holiday. Be safe. Be smart. Don't overeat. Well, go ahead. What the heck? PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.
as Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.